0: As my Polish ancestors did, I too must follow in the footsteps of Christ. I have this beautiful book in front of me that is so, so special, that I read the introduction and I cried. And um, I am so reminded of the importance of growing in the faith, and um, I wasn't much of a reader growing up. I was more of a writer and adventurer, but now, God is doing something new in me and I am being drawn to reading really good books. And the title of this book is titled The Sinner's Return to God. And it was copyrighted back in the Marian Publications in 1974 by Father Michael Muller, priest of the Congregation of the Most Holy Redeemer, The Prodigal Son, Sinner's Return to God with the permission of Leo A. Pursley, Bishop of Fort Wayne, South Bend, with the appropriation of his eminence of the Cardinal, Bishop of New York, Michael Augustine, Archbishop of New York, 19, I'm trying to read this here, it's either 19 or 1897. I, let's see, looks like 1997. So I'm gonna go ahead and open up with the book, and um, I'm gonna start with the very cover, the insert of the cover. It says here, "The the church teaches, ex cathedra, there is but one universal church of the faithful, outside of which no one at all can be saved. Pope Innocent III, Fourth Lateran Council, 1215. Ex cathedra, we declare, say, define, and pronounce that it is absolutely necessary for the salvation of every human creature to be subject to the Roman Pontiff, Pope Boniface the Eighth. The Bull, 1302. Ex cathedra, the Holy Roman Church firmly believes, professes, and teaches that none of those who are not within the Catholic Church, not only pagans, but Jews, heretics, schismatics, can ever be partakers of the eternal life, but are to go into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew twenty-five forty-one, Unless before the close of their lives they shall have entered into that church, also that the unity of the ecclesiastical body is such that the Church sacraments avail. Only those abiding in the Church, and the fasts, alms, deeds, and other works of piety which play their part in the Christian combat, are in her alone productive of eternal rewards. Moreover, that no one, no matter what alms he may have given, not even if he were to shed his blood for Christ's sake, can be saved, unless, he abides in the bosom and unity of the Catholic Church. Mansi, Concilia 31, 1739. Pope Eugene IV, The Bull, Cantate Domino, 1441. St. John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. St. Matthew, chapter 16, verses 18, 19. St. Matthew, verses and chapter 18, verses 17 and 18, and Ephesians chapter one, verses 22, 23, Ephesians 5, 23, 30, and 32, and the second St. John chapter one, verses nine through 11. I've been very blessed to be professed as a third order Franciscan, and this book was donated to me by a very beautiful Franciscan woman, uh, Mrs. Dubois. So in honor of her today, I don't know if she's still alive, but I devote her to the prayers of this time with you. And inside the third page of this book, there's a picture of Jesus with ropes around his chest and a crown of thorns and a halo. And he has tears, it looks like, of blood dripping down from his eye. And it says, Isaiah 1, King of Love, 18. And then come and accuse me, saith the Lord. If your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made as white as snow. And if they, are, if they be red as crimson, they shall be white as wool. And on the fourth page, there's a picture of St. Joan of Arc. And it says this, Under the patronage of St. Joan of Arc, we say this prayer before reading this book. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and they shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit to have right judgment in all things, and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And then it says this, the indulgence of five years can be received, the plenary indulgence under the usual conditions if the prayer has been recited daily for a month. So that's a beautiful prayer to play over and over again on this podcast, the prayer before you read any holy and religious books, the prayer under the patronage of Saint Joan of Arc, and if you do that every day for a month you receive a five-year indulgence. So in this book Um, Before I go into the introduction, I want to read one more story about the prodigal son. The prodigal represents all those who, in the blind pursuit of the riches, pleasures, and honors of this world, have lost sight of the noble end for which God created them, and have forfeited the grace and friendship of Almighty God by mortal sin. The unhappy condition of the prodigal, deprived of all human aid and comfort, represents vividly to our mind the unhappy condition of those who live in the state of mortal sin. The untiring efforts of the prodigal to return to his father's house serve as a model to all those who have abandoned God and sincerely wish to be received again into the friendship of their Heavenly Father." So. Before I go into the introductory, I just wanted to share with you, uh, I was attracted to the very last chapter of this book, because it has to do with the Blessed Mother. And it's chapter 10 on page 191, and there's a picture of the Blessed Virgin Mary, with one hand on top of her heart and one below her heart, as if her heart is aglow, sustained in midair between her two hands and this chapter struck a deep chord in me but i feel it's best to go back to the beginning of the book so for those of you that never have a chance to get this book at least you can learn a little bit about the introduction and it's profound and like i said it was very touching to me um, and it struck a chord in my heart and i hope it does the same for you the title is introductory good reading A traveler once found himself alone on a dreary moor. The ground was covered with white snow. The bleak winter wind moaned and blew in fitful gust. All nature seemed dead around him, and scarcely a starlight gleamed on the dreary tomb. The poor, lonely traveler had lost his way. He had been wandering long amid the snowdrifts. He was benumbed with cold dispirited and weary. Must he lie down upon this bleak moor and die? Must the ice be his bed and the snow his winding sheet? He thinks of home, but the thought fills his soul with bitterness. Never again shall he feel his fond wife's embrace. Never again shall his children welcome him with the merry laugh and the warm tender kiss. The poor traveler sinks upon the ground in weakness and despair. A distant sound strikes upon his ear, rouses him from his stupor, and fills him with hope. It is the sound of the convent bell ringing the matin chime. The lost traveler shakes off the sleep of death. He sees in the distance a glimmering light. He urges on his weary steps. He reaches the convent door and is safe. The state of this unhappy traveler is but a faint image of an unhappy condition, of a soul that has strayed from God, from the true faith, that is wandering about in darkness and doubt and has sunk into blank despair. At last this unhappy soul reads a pious book. The light of truth flashes upon his mind. He hastens to the church. He enters her portals, and there finds a peace and contentment of heart that surpass all understanding. He is saved. A good book is indeed a faithful friend that will give us counsel without cowardice or flattery, on the one hand and without any personal bitterness on the other. It is also one of the best missionaries of the Church. It can enter places where priests cannot penetrate. A stern hater of the Catholic Church who on no consideration would hold intercourse with a Catholic priest, will often take a volume of Catholic truth and read it by his fireside. La Harpe was an infidel, a great friend of Voltaire. He wrote several works against religion. When the French Revolution broke out, he was seized and cast into prison. In the silence and solitude of his cell he found time to examine the truths of religion, which he had hitherto neglected. He tells us how sad and lonely he was in his cell. To while away his time, he read a few pious books that had given him that had been given him. Gradually the light of faith began to dawn in his heart, but the heavenly light filled him with terror. All the sins of his life came up before him. He knew that death was at hand, for in those days there was but one step from the prison to the scaffold. For the first time in forty years, he turned to God with a humbled, sorrowful heart and began to pray. There was no priest near to prepare him for death. They were all either dead or banished. After having offered up a fervent prayer, he opened a random copy of The Imitation of Christ and read these consoling words, See, my son, I have come to thee, because thou hast called me. The words filled him with unspeakable consolation. His heart was touched. He fell upon his face and burst into tears. This was the beginning of a new life. Laharp was afterwards set free, but he remained ever after faithful to the good resolutions he had formed while as shut up in the dreary prison. Dr. Palafox, the pious Bishop of Osma, in his preface to the Letters of St. Teresa, relates that an eminent Lutheran minister at Bremen, who was famed for several works which he had published against the Catholic Church, purchased the life of St. Teresa with a view of attempting to confute it. But after reading it over attentively, he was converted to the Catholic faith and from that time forward led a most edifying life. A thousand such examples might be offered to show that the reading of pious books is well calculated to lead sinners to a life of grace and to encourage the just to walk steadily onward on the road to perfection. The tendency of pious reading, to induce men of the world to change their ways and enter on the path of a holy life may be seen from the conversion of St. Augustine. The extreme repugnance which, previous to his conversion, the saint felt in his soul at the thought of parting with the false pleasures of sense and surrendering himself to full service of Christ is well known to readers of his faith. What a terrible conflict, what fierce attacks he experienced within his heart. The story of the conflict as told by himself moves us to pity. He tells us that he groaned as he felt his own will, like a heavy chain holding him fast, and that the enemy of man kept even his power of willing, shackled by a kind of cruel necessity. He went through an agony of death in riding himself of his vicious habits, when just on the point of resolving to renounce them. The old fascinations and false delights dragged him back, and he heard low voices murmur, Do you mean to forsake us? From this moment forth, are we never, never more to be with you? But what was it that finally, after so fierce a struggle, overcame the heart of the saint? What won the heroic soul to God? The final victory was due to the reading of a pious book. To this is to be attributed under Almighty God the glory of gaining to the church so renowned a doctor and a saint. It happened that whilst Augustine was fighting with the wild thoughts that filled his breast, he heard a voice saying to him, Take and read. He obeyed the voice, and taking up a book, which lay near him, read a chapter from St. Paul. Shortly after, the dark clouds passed away from his mind. The hardness of his heart yielded, and peace and calm took possession of his soul, where therefore, before tumultuous passions and despair were striving for the mastery, the chains of his bad habits were broken. He gave himself up without reserve to God and became the great saint who is admired by all the world and revered upon the altars of the church. My brothers, my sisters in Christ, I look forward to sharing with you the next chapter From this book, The Sinners Return to God. In the meantime, let us reflect upon these beautiful readings and learn from Christ the truth.